Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 18, Alice and Vivian had an intense discussion on the way to Imperior. In this episode, Chapter 19, the Oren reach Imperior, and Seb is put to the test as the potential Great Tamer. Alright, let's dive in. Nocte gazed down at the city below. The buildings were mostly made out of white stone, marble, and it was a bustling place. Hundreds of humans walked the cobblestone streets below, wandering from shop to shop and going about their business. This was the kind of thing Seb would describe as beautiful, with the noon sun hitting the white houses. Nocte could sense that his tamer was happy, though he was anxious below the surface. You know what, Seb? Nocte thought as a pair of dragons and their tamers flew past the group. What? I think Fauna would like it here. Nocte sensed his human surprise. Why do you say that? It's pretty here. Human girls like pretty things, don't they? Seb rubbed Nocte's scaled neck affectionately. Indeed they do, buddy. I think you're going to like it here too. There's so many dragons around. That was true. Dragons soared in the sky around them like nowhere else. Whether their tamers were on their backs or not, the colored dragons were everywhere. Nocte was somewhat apprehensive about being surrounded by so many of his kind. Among the Orin, he was more or less at the bottom of the pecking order. Perhaps things would be different here. However, as soon as his human was declared the great tamer and the battle against the Nin was won, the Orin were heading back to the Prestruo Valley. Nocte didn't care so much about his position in the pecking order in Imperior, so long as the other dragons let him be. That palace is huge, Seb spoke using Vox Draco. The royal palace sat at the far edge of the city, with a low cliff face near the front entrance, and a sloping hill at the rear. A forest surrounded it on the north and western sides. It was set slightly apart from the rest of the city, but still very close and attached to it. Do you think I can fit in there? You've gotten so big over the past year, I doubt it, Seb responded cheerfully. His dragon was the size of the other full-grown dragons. Seb reflected that that meant he himself was most likely done growing. That was fine by him. He was as tall as Vivin. Garday was the only one taller than him now. The dragons landed on the cliff outside of the massive white palace. The battlements truly made it an impressive building, and that was just the exterior. Guards looked down at the newcomers, and four guards awaited them at the palace doors. The Orin removed their dragon saddles and their bags. This was their final destination for the time being, until battle. Alice took the lead and gave their group name to the guards. She produced her crest, and with a nod to each other, the armored guards hauled open the engraved wooden doors. They were gorgeous, with carvings of fierce dragons in a woodland. The work was masterful and delicate. Whoever did it must have spent weeks working on the massive doors. The Orin stepped inside, and Seb had his breath taken away. Light filtered in through stained glass windows on either side of a cavernous hall. A scarlet red carpet stretched from the double doors to two wooden thrones, which sat on an elevated marble platform. Five guards lined the walls on either side of the grand room. 
From their white and gold robes, Seb could tell that they were more for show than anything else. They had pole arms and shields with the symbol of the Cayenne embossed into them. The guards stood at attention, looking out through their steel helmets. A servant who had seen them enter disappeared, and the Orans stood waiting for someone to meet them. Alice grumbled that she and Vivian could mosey around the palace whenever they usually visited for meetings. The prince himself entered, followed by several important-looking men. Tamer's council members, Vivian murmured to Seb. The prince was rather dashing, with his rich violet cloak about his shoulders and a silver circlet atop his head. His smile was friendly and broad, and his gait was confident and purposeful. Hello, how are you all? Vivian? Miss Wrightsmith? It's been a while, hasn't it? The young prince stood in front of the Orin, and the tamers bowed their heads respectfully. Yes, sir, Vivian responded. There was something about an older man calling a younger man sir that unsettled Sebastian. There would be no occasion for it back home. He introduced everyone, Seb last. The prince gazed at the young man attentively. You're the one who claims to be the great tamer, Prince Leo asked pointedly. Seb stood with his hands in his pockets, unflinching. My teammates seem to think I am. And you don't. The prince had an amused, albeit cool, air. I think it's best to let officials decide, Sebastian replied calmly. The Oren held their breaths. This wasn't the time for Seb's unaffected mien. This was the prince of the country for Cayenne's sake. And so they shall. Prince Leo glanced over his shoulder to the men behind him. Go gather the others in the main courtyard. We'll have the exam taken care of immediately. A chorus of yes sirs went up, and the council members departed. A man Seb failed to notice earlier stood near a pair of guards not far from the prince. He was dressed in black, with a cloak draped around his shoulders, and a black cavalier hat tipped over his brow. He and two guards followed the prince as he left the Orin. A servant showed the tamers to their quarters and escorted them immediately to the main courtyard. Sebastian was silent, his colleagues the same. Zan and Griff desperately wanted to offer words of encouragement to their friend, but they didn't know what to say. Their footsteps echoed off of the marble walls. Beautiful tapestries were passed by unappreciated. Seb was acutely aware of the sweat trailing down his spine. His heart beat against his chest. Calm down, a voice rang in his mind. I'm trying, Seb responded to his dragon. Whatever they throw at you, you can handle it, Seb. Even if you're not the great tamer, you're the greatest tamer to me. Seb couldn't suppress a grin. When did you get so sweet? Ever since I hatched. Nocte's voice was all that Sebastian needed to feel his confidence renewed. At the end of this test, his dragon would still be his dragon, and his friends would still be his friends. The outcome of the test didn't change that, at least. The main courtyard was expansive to say the least. Two dragons could have fit comfortably on the well-maintained turf. At the moment, however, there was only a single dragon, tied down under dozens of thick ropes. The dragon snorted and huffed when the Orin entered the yard. Its eyes were slits, 
and smoke curled from its nostrils. Seven instinctively strode toward the imprisoned dragon, but Kyrick and Vivin grabbed him before he could set foot on the grass. Eager? A voice shouted from above. Seb gazed up at the prince, who was leaning on the marble banister of a balcony. The roofed balcony wrapped around the entire courtyard, though there was an uncovered walkway that the prince was standing on. Men and a couple of women stood along the balcony. All eyes were on Sebastian. Why is she being treated like that? Seb asked, relaxing enough that his elders released him. She was captured two days ago after attempting an attack on Magni Tectus. We haven't been able to coax her out of her primal state. Sebastian knew Magni Tectus was the formal name of the king's palace. His jaw tensed, and his gaze swept the tamers standing beside the prince. All of these experienced tamers here, and you couldn't bring her out of it, Seb questioned hotly. Vivin quietly growled from behind him, Show some respect for Cayenne's sake. The prince smirked and nodded to the green-scaled dragon. Bring her out of it, then. Take as much time as you need. Seb raised a naturally sculpted eyebrow. That's all I have to do? Prince Leo Michaelis nodded, taking note of Seb's stern, yet calm, expression. There's two more tests, though they're far simpler than this. He rested his regal head on his fist, his green eyes watching Seb carefully. Oh, and if you can't bring her out of her primal state, she'll be executed immediately. We've kept her here long enough, and it's unsafe to keep her alive otherwise. Sebastian stared at the prince, unintimidated. He began removing his scabbard from his belt. I'll have her settled in fifteen minutes, or you can find yourself a better great tamer. He handed his sword to Vivin without breaking his glare at the prince, and strode across the grass. Why does he have to be like this around dragons? Kirik murmured next to Vivin, rubbing his tense neck anxiously. I don't know, Vivin replied quietly gripping Seb's sheathed sword tightly. The young man was cognizant of the armed guards lining the balcony in the courtyard, all of them with their bows raised to the imprisoned dragon. Her scales were fern green in color, and some of them were damaged. Some were even missing, leaving bloodied flesh exposed to the air. Seb clenched his fists, then breathed out slowly. He calmed himself as best he could. The female dragon was exuding feelings of pain discomfort, and confusion to the keen tamer. She snarled as best she could. Even her muzzle was bound. Sebastian approached the trapped dragon slowly. His heart beat evenly, and his mind was kept blank before starting discourse with the uneasy dragon. Easy now, Seb said softly, stepping next to her bound head. He placed a hand on her neck and knelt down, taking a dagger from his boot. Let's free you a bit. As he began severing the rough rope around her muzzle, the prince motioned for the guards to hold steady. They had no need to fire, yet. The small crowd viewing the spectacle was silent. No one dared to speak. This boy was unusual, there was no doubt. Approaching a primal dragon without any hesitation, and even going so far as to release her bonds? The rope around her muzzle snapped, and everyone held their breath. Sebastian spoke to the dragon quietly, and went on to cut one of the ropes tying down her long neck. The dragon fixed an amber eye on the young tamer 
However, she made no move to harm him. As soon as the next cord was severed, Seb sheathed his dagger, and the dragon lifted her head as best she could. He kept a hand on her at all times. His mouth didn't move as he stroked her neck. Surely that must have meant he was using Vox Draco? The prince glanced at his pocket watch. Ten quiet minutes went by before Sebastian stood. The young man glared at the prince and once again brought out his dagger. Seb wore a grave expression on his fair face. He began severing the cords strapping down her wings. The guards watched their prince closely for a signal. However, he gave none. The green dragon before him had her amber eyes dilated to their average size, and she no longer struggled against her bonds. Smoke ceased to curl from her nostrils. The dragon, it appeared, was out of her primal state. There was no guarantee until she was freed. Either she would attack the humans watching her, or she would remain calm. As the rope snapped, she stretched her limbs and powerful wings, finally arching her back to break the last of her bonds. She turned her shapely head to Sebastian, who nodded. He sheathed his dagger and mounted her back. The freed dragon raised her mighty wings and pushed off, though she didn't go far at first. As she took her first few downsweeps, she flew over the walkway the prince was standing on, and Seb leapt off of her back. The dragon continued on, soaring away. Sebastian, on the other hand, did something no one expected. The moment his boots hit the marble walkway, he strode forward, grabbed Prince Leo by his shirt lapel, and clocked him so hard that blood instantly spurted from his nose. Sebastian was immediately seized by the prince's personal guards, and the arrows of two dozen more were aimed at him. Vivian and Alice ran to the nearest set of stairs instinctively. However, they were stopped at the top step by a towering guard. Prince Michaelis took a moment to recover, holding a silken, white handkerchief to his nose. He nudged the guard who had stepped in front of him, the man who was cloaked in black. Back off, Malum. The prince stood in front of Seb, who was staring at him coldly. Well? Sebastian growled, Ask me what she said. Prince Leo drew the bloodied handkerchief from his gory nose. What did she say to you, Master Alor? She said... Seb spoke loudly enough so that the odd council behind Leo could hear him. That she was lured here by your dragon, Kruor, two nights ago. And when she came, she was met with violence, which provoked her into her primal state. You then captured her and made no attempt to ease her out of that state, Seb growled. In fact, she said that you had her tortured right before any of the council members tried to tame her. The tamer's council stared at the prince in shock. The dragon's missing scales weren't a result of her being captured. Is that true? Seb asked quietly. The prince was silent, his nose throbbing. Is it true? Seb snapped, and the guards retaining him tightened their grip. Prince Leo removed the handkerchief from his clotting wound. Yes, it's true. He replied without batting an eyelash. I figured you were a fraud and didn't expect anyone to be made privy to that information. But here we are. Let him go, the prince added to the guards. They did so reluctantly, and Seb stood tall, taller than Leo. There's a mandatory test you still need to go through, but as far as I'm concerned, you are this era's great tamer. Congratulations. 
he inclined his head mockingly and walked away with his guards close behind. The one named Malum stared hard at Sebastian before joining his prince. Seb straightened his shirt as he hurried past the council members, who were still shocked by the new revelations made. He stopped in front of Alice and Vivin and took his sword without making eye contact with his mentor. I passed their test. So it would seem, Vivin responded quietly. Come on. He motioned to the stairs below them, and Seb brushed past his leaders as he fastened his scabbard. His teammates weren't sure how they were supposed to greet him. Guards were still watching them closely, and Seb was obviously not in a good mood. Two more tests, right? Griff spoke up. Then we can celebrate. Seb was silent, and Vivin nudged his arm as he walked past. Let's go, Seb. The young man followed his mentor reluctantly, since he knew he was going to receive a punishment of some kind. He paused when his teammates didn't follow, and looked at them curiously. We're going to meet up with some of our friends from the other groups. We'll catch up with you later. Alice said as politely as possible. They had no wish of participating in the ensuing conversation. Seb bit his lip and hurried after Vivin, knowing procrastination would only anger his mentor further. The older tamer held open the door to the men's chambers. The rooms were large for guest quarters, with five beds in the men's shared room. The arrangement looked temporary for housing the extra inhabitants while they prepared for battle. The guest rooms were kept comfortable, however, with lush carpets, a fireplace, chairs, and a settee. Seb stepped inside, and Vivin shut the door behind them. What in the name of Cayenne did you think you were doing? Seb remained silent as Vivin glared at him. What's going on with you? Vivin asked, frustrated. Starting bar fights and now cold-cocking royalty? This isn't like you. Seb clenched his fists, suppressing his anger. The quiet one suddenly shows his feelings, and it's not okay? Vivin blinked, confused. No, it's not okay. Not when it involves assaulting the crown prince. He could have had you imprisoned or even hanged for that, Seb. The young man folded his thick arms across his chest, irritated. He should be imprisoned for torturing that dragon, then. Or am I the only one who thinks that isn't okay? Of course it isn't okay, but that doesn't mean you had to hit him. What, then? Should I have left it to the council to give him nothing more than a slap on the wrist because he's royalty? Seb was getting upset, raising his voice now. It isn't up to you to exact punishment on him, Seb. Vivin attempted to gain control over the situation. You know what? Seb rubbed the back of his neck and began to pace the room. I'm getting sick of the way dragons are being treated. They do so much for us every day, and all they ask for in return is our companionship. So when someone like Leo, Prince Leo, Vivin interjected, when someone like him exerts his power and asks his dragon to bring another dragon to the palace, she isn't going to think twice about it. Seb stopped pacing and glared heatedly at his mentor. That dragon thought she was being summoned to the palace to give aid to the prince. Instead, she was met with arrows and violence. If you knew, Seb's voice was filled with warmth. How much pain that dragon went through, having her skills pried from her flesh? You'd want to hit the prince too. It just makes me so angry, Seb growled. When people in a position of power exert it over people or dragons weaker than them, 
It makes me see red. And I'll kick anyone's ass, royalty or commoner, if they decide to extort the innocent. He huffed and sat down on the settee with his arms folded across his chest. I'll apologize to you or anyone else on our team if my actions affected you negatively. But I won't apologize to that jerk. Vivin stared at Seb in surprise for a moment. What? The young man mumbled. I didn't realize you were so passionate. Seb raised an eyebrow. You didn't think Fauna was with me for my conversational abilities, did you? Vivin chuckled softly. You're a terrible handful, you know. I know. Seb leaned forward and ran his hands through his chestnut brown hair. I'm sorry. Vivin could tell from his tone that he was at least genuinely contrite for causing him trouble. That would have to do. There was a sudden knock on the door, and Vivin pulled it open. The black-clothed guard, Malum, stood in the frame. Master Alor, Prince Leo has requested your presence in the Great Hall at four o'clock this afternoon. Why? Seb asked, and Vivin sighed inwardly. There's a small test he would like you to perform. If you pass, he would like the final test to take place tomorrow, at your induction ceremony. The man's voice was hard and cold. All right, I'll be there, Seb nodded. Before Malum left, he added coolly, And Master Alor, should you ever strike the prince again, you will be severely reprimanded. Try not to forget. He exited the room without closing the door. Vivin bit his lip to suppress a smile, and Seb grinned. He could use a pop in the nose himself, eh? Indeed he could. He's always had a stick up his ass, Vivin admitted, and climbed his head to the door. Let's find the others and let them know what's going on. The orange stood with Seb in the Great Hall, the front entrance where the thrones were located, waiting for Prince Leo. Everyone was in a far better mood, especially since, as Zan pointed out, the test couldn't go worse than the last one. There were tamers from other Cayenne groups present, and most of the Orin dispersed to speak with old friends. Alice and Vivin stayed next to Seb, protecting him from conversations with the curious Dragon Tamers Council members who were milling about. Someone called out from behind them, for Cayenne's sake, old man, get a haircut. Vivin whipped around and beamed at a man with equally long hair. Hey, Art, how are you? The men embraced, and Art took Alice's hand, kissing it politely. You're still hanging around with this grump. He has his merits, Alice laughed. How are you, Artie? I'm excellent. He stepped forward and shook Seb's hand firmly. Arthur Millfield, at your service, sir. Sir? Seb colored at the formality. I dare say after that show earlier, you deserve to be dressed, sir, lest you beat me up. He winked. Lay off, Art, Vivin grinned. Seb, Art and I grew up together and handled most of our mercenary jobs as a duo, and somehow he managed to make it onto the Tamers Council. The tall man grinned. Yeah, but I'm one of the good ones. He was slender and fit, with a sword at his hip. His silver hair was as long as Vivin's, past his shoulders. His eyebrows and stubble were still quite black, and a mustache he kept well trimmed. 
He wore gray pants and a buttoned waistcoat with a loose white shirt beneath. He looked respectable enough, Seb thought. He was the one Vivin was talking about whenever he regaled Seb with stories of his youth. Arthur Millfield, fearless dragon tamer and skilled mercenary. How is it that your hair always stays so black? Art questioned his friend. Black like my soul, Art. Vivin teased. That or the fact that you're older than me. By a single year, you ass. Art touched his chest, pretending to be offended. Is this everyone? A voice called out. It was the prince, with his bruised nose, who drew their attention. I'd like to put our future great tamer through another test, if you'll follow me outside. His youthful voice was full of authority, and the groups of tamers exited the palace. He ordered several council members to summon their dragons, and asked Seb to do the same. Three dragons perched on the cliff outside of the great palace, two skilled and one feathered. This should be an easy exam for you, Master Alor. These tamers are going to write down whatever they'd like on a piece of paper and communicate it to their dragons using Vox Draco. All that you have to do is ask the dragons for what was written using Vox Draco. Seb nodded to confirm that he understood his instructions. Nocte had yet to land. Apparently, he was a bit lost. A servant handed parchment and quills to the selected tamers, and they each scribbled something down and communicated it to their dragons. Seb spoke to the first one. Well met, dragon. I'm in need of your assistance. The blue-scaled dragon hesitated for a moment. This is strange. I've never spoken to anyone else like this. And you don't have to, if it makes you uncomfortable. No, I'm ready to serve you. The dragon felt compelled to speak with the young tamer, as unusual as the circumstance was. You want to know what my tamer wrote, correct? Seb inclined his head. He wrote, This is an unnecessary test. Seb thanked the dragon and moved on to the next one without speaking to the humans. The two other dragons were just as willing to speak to Seb. In fact, they did so eagerly. Well, the prince asked after several minutes. He kept his impatience thinly veiled. Could you speak with them or not? I could, Seb replied shortly, forcing the prince to ask. And what did they say? Seb grinned faintly, glad that he was irritating the prince. The first dragon said, this is an unnecessary test. The second said, the sun is bright today. And the third dragon said, nothing. The handsome prince raised a dark eyebrow. Nothing? He glanced at the tamers who had written their sentences, and they all stared at Seb in shock. The third tamer held up a blank piece of parchment. Nothing, indeed. The prince clasped his hands behind his back. You can tame primal dragons, and you can communicate with dragons other than your own but you don't seem to be able to summon yours. Nocte was running late, still lost. He'll get here when he gets here, Seb replied coolly. The group collectively held their breaths at Seb's snarky remark. The prince remained placid. With a roar, Nocte cleared himself a spot on the cliff, shooing away the other dragons. Smoke curled from his nostrils. Dragons, Seb had learned, can't sweat. They release their excess heat via steam. The council and other tamers were immediately awed by the unusually marked dragon. 
His gemstone flecks glittered in the sun against his black scales. Sorry I'm late, Seb. I got a bit turned around in the caves behind the palace. Nocte spoke so everyone could hear him. That's all right. The young tamer rubbed his dragon's neck affectionately. He's an average size, a council member who had yet to introduce themselves murmured. Does he possess any special abilities? Seb thought about it for a moment, then smirked. He has the amazing ability to be a pain in my ass. The tense crowd laughed lightly, and Seb shook his head. He doesn't have any special abilities yet. His markings are fantastic. That has to count for something, someone mentioned. A great tamer's dragon is usually great as well, the prince replied. Nocte growled at the prince, and Seb shushed him. I already took a swing at him today. You'd better not. The crowd chuckled again, and Prince Leo felt his cheeks flush. He's only a year old. Maybe he needs more time, Seb shrugged, unconcerned. Perhaps. Prince Leo approached the dragon, feigning confidence. Nocte growled again, and the prince halted. He turned to Seb. Your final test is tomorrow, during your induction ceremony. I'll wish you good luck now. Why now? Seb asked. Something about Leo's amused expression made him uneasy. Because you'll either be leaving the ceremony alive or dead. Most likely alive, of course. He gazed at Nocte before returning to the palace. Wait, what? Nocte asked Seb privately. I don't know. I'll try to see you tonight, okay? He gave Nocte a pat on his jaw before rejoining his teammates. Griff slapped him on the back as Seb ran over. You put the ass in sass, buddy. Only when it counts, Seb laughed, hiding his anxiety over the prince's comment. The dining hall in Magnetectus was grand, with a long, sleek table made of teak stretching across one side of the room. High, stained-glass windows decorated two walls, and fireplaces and doors lined the other. Instrumentalists played a lively tune a short distance from the lengthy table. Seb took special note of a sleek, grand piano in the corner. The prince sat at the head of the table, and the tamer sat on either side. The meal was handled with a familiar air. Plates heaping with food were laid down in the center of the table, and everyone could help themselves. Servants stood behind the chairs, patiently waiting to refill empty wine glasses. It was unlike anything Sebastian had ever seen, but he didn't have time to appreciate the new situation quietly. Everyone sitting near him was asking questions. His teammates had been pulled to various seats along the table to converse with their old friends, leaving Seb surrounded by strangers. He answered questions about his taming experience honestly and tried not to consume too much of the bitter wine. Every one of his teammates sent glances his way throughout the lengthy meal to check in on him, but he seemed fine. By the end of it, the young man was certain he had never spoken so much in his entire life. He flopped down on his bed without undressing and slept through till morning. The palace was quiet as Seb strode to the great hall. From what he'd seen, typically servants and guests were bustling around, but all was calm at the moment. The occasional guards stood sentinel at their post, and that was all. Seb felt 
self-conscious in his outfit. White tights and a white tunic with the symbol of the cayenne stitched across the chest. The hems were silver and gold. He wore a wide brown belt, which he kept tugging at. The prince had left him a brief note in the stack of clothes. He insisted that Seb wore the outfit, and if for any reason it didn't fit, call a servant. The ceremony would be short and sweet. He simply had to do whatever the prince asked of him. Seb rounded a corner and could hear the din of hundreds of voices. His step faltered. He cautiously poked his head around the final corner to the great hall. It was filled with people, from dignitaries to peasants, tamers to civilians. He saw Vivin nearby and hurried over to him. Vivin, what's going on? Seb hissed, startling the man. Vivin looked him up and down. You're the only one who could make that look decent, he frowned. What? Not the clothes? The people! Vivin patted his shoulder sympathetically. What did you expect? This event only happens once every two centuries. But I've had no warning, no time to prepare. You don't think Prince Leo would do anything to make you look bad, do you? Seb paled, and Vivin placed his hands on his shoulders. Okay, forget that, and listen to me. If you only remember one thing when you're up there, remember this, Vivin said slowly. If anything feels off when you pick up the sword, drop it and walk away. Seb narrowed his eyes, confused. But, Seb, just trust me, all right? Vivin was dead serious, so Seb nodded. The mentor gave his apprentice a push toward the thrones. As he walked up the steps, someone whistled alluringly, it was definitely Griff, and a resounding smack echoed through the nail-quiet hall. Seb felt the back of his neck grow hot, but felt a measure of relief as he saw the prince wearing the same outfit as him. The only difference was the silver circlet around his handsome brow. The bruise Seb had given him was gone. By a catch of the light, Seb noticed a faint shimmer. The prince had makeup applied, so the crowd wouldn't notice the abrasion. He smiled when Seb approached and beckoned him over. These outfits are absolutely atrocious, aren't they? The royalty said just loud enough for him to hear. I'd rather wear a bag over my head, Seb admitted glumly. Leo laughed. But then all of these beautiful ladies would be disappointed. He inclined his head to the massive crowd. Even the front doors were open to accommodate the masses. He murmured, Relax before turning to his people. My dear citizens, Leo's voice was well-practiced in the commanding tone. We have the good fortune of a potential great tamer standing with us today. A chorus of cheers went up, and Leo continued. As you all know, the Nin have been rising in power these past few years, and the addition of a great tamer to our ranks would boost our standing exponentially. This young man, he motioned to Seb, who felt a bit sick to his stomach. Sebastian Aller of Deep Creek has but one test left before him. A council member stepped past the prince to Seb with a sheathed sword on a plush white pillow. To wield the legendary sword of the great tamers, Jackalcor. If he can use this sword without it harming him, he can be acknowledged as our great tamer. He turned to Seb and asked quietly, If you will please unsheath the sword and do me the honor of swinging it. Sebastian did as he was asked, gripping the handle 
and removing the broadsword from its leather sheath. As he pulled it, the tip of the sword touched the metal plating at the opening of the sheath, and a sharp ring echoed through the cavernous hall. Seb ran his eyes over the blade. It was surprisingly light for such a large sword. It shone brilliantly, as if it had been sharpened just moments before. The hilt was forged from gold and silver entwined together, and a black opal was mounted into the pommel. He had no time to appreciate the masterfully crafted sword further, because the prince drew his own sword. There was no malicious presence emanating from the sword as Seb imagined, so he raised it. The great hall was so silent, Seb thought he could hear his own heartbeat. The prince advanced, and there was a brief flurry of movement and the clashing of metal against metal, then silence again. Seb felt completely normal, other than all of his nerves being alight. The prince watched him carefully for a moment, then sheathed his sword. After another moment, he turned to the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present Sebastian Allor, this era's great tamer. The cheers were deafening. The prince shook Seb's hand with a smile, and Dracocor's sheath was handed to him. Go on, Prince Leo nodded to the cheering crowd. Seb descended down the marble stairs and spent the next two hours being congratulated by every single person who could reach him. Seb had never even seen so many people, and all of them patted his back and shook his hand and offered their congratulations. The Orin were nowhere to be seen. They were waiting for him in the men's quarters when he returned. As he stepped into the guest chambers, Griff and Zan flung themselves at him, wildly proud of their young friend. We knew it, buddy! Zan exclaimed and ruffled Seb's hair. Everyone, even Garday, gave Seb a bear hug. Well, what's the first thing the Great Tamer wants to do? Orani smiled once her teammates settled down. Seb rubbed the back of his neck with a grin. A bath and a nap? His teammates laughed, and Seb added, Actually, I should really go see Nocte. He's been wanting to talk to me for hours. Whatever you want, boss. Griff smirked. Seb raised an eyebrow, and Griff explained, Now that you're actually a great tamer, we're at your command. And not just us, every tamer in the country, including the council. Seb grinned and headed for the door. You'd better watch out then, Griff. I have a feeling I'll need a lackey. Your lackey suggests a change of clothes, Griff teased as Seb went to open the door. He was still wearing his embarrassing ceremonial tunic. Thanks for listening to Chapter 19 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. This is your second reminder to send in your questions for the Q&A episode between Chapters 20 and 21. If you have any questions about the podcast, the story, or anything in between, please DM me on Instagram or Facebook at a DTF podcast or email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons.